It's time. I don't know if you've heard that before, but it is time. It's our fourth week of a one-week series. That's what I thought the first week anyway. But fortunately, God had other plans, and even more fortunately, I listened. As we've been looking at what it's time to do, there are so many things. We could use this theme for the next year. Don't panic. I'm not going to. But it is time. There are so many things going on in the world that it certainly is time to refocus on him and on his word and prayer and living the life out as we looked at last week. And a part of that that we looked at last week was making sure that we are producing the right things. And we looked in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc. But we also looked at it's in contrast to how much of the world lives. And there was a listing of those things that contradict the fruit of the Spirit. Well, this morning has a little more of that, but we're actually going a different direction, even though part of this may sound familiar. We're in the New Testament in the Bible, right side of it, if you're not familiar. The book of Ephesians, right after the book of Galatians that we were in last week. Ephesians chapter 5. We're looking at the first 20 verses of this chapter because what we're looking at is that it is time to revive Sterling and beyond. I had to say it that way because it took too long. I tried typing out Sterling, Rock Falls, Morrison, you know, and just on and on. And there are way too many little places around here. So I said, and beyond. <laughs> we represent a lot. Plus, we are part of a world organization, not just in our denomination, but in all followers of Christ. Denominational lines don't mean near as much as personal relationships with Jesus Christ. I love our denomination, but it's not the only way to heaven. Now, our district superintendent will be here next week, so make sure you don't leave out the part that I said I love our denomination. But it isn't exclusive. But it's time for some reviving. And as I look at this and as I've been praying and my heart has been breaking in recent weeks, I keep coming back to this thing of our relationships. For you see, we were created for relationships. Genesis, when God created the world and all that is in it and he created Adam and he created Eve and they had close fellowship with him. They walked around together, talked together, ate some barbecue together. Yeah, I'm sure there was barbecue back there. But we were designed and created for relationships. In fact, no matter how introverted you may be or socially anxious you may be, we were created for relationships. That's one of the reasons the last year and a half has been so upsetting. Because we've been forced into isolation too much. We need to return and revive our relationships starting with God 
our Father and Christ His Son. We were created to live in relationships. We were created to live in community. Now, community has more than one meaning. One of the meanings is, what is your physical address, your zip code, that community? But community also goes beyond that and talks, to, talks about those we are in relationship with and connected to. Not just by a zip code, but heart to heart. That we care. We were created to live in community. Go back to the beginning with Adam and Eve again. Because the punishment when they disobeyed is they were removed from the community. The ultimate in the punishment. There was a separation in their relationship with God. It's time for a reviving of those. We don't need a whole bunch of relationships, though those of us that are more extroverted enjoy that. But we need relationships. And we need a reviving in our relationships because that's how we were created to live. It is the only way we function as God designed us to. That includes the church. It's time to revive. The interesting thing about being creative for relationships is our relationships not only bring us our greatest joys, they bring us our greatest hurts also, don't they? I read something this week where someone was speaking of the loss of a loved one and they said, where there is great grief, there was great love. We were created for this. Our relationships are also where we have our greatest influence and impact. As a follower of Christ, it's our call and our responsibility to be an influencer for Christ. Now that will not and in fact cannot happen unless we are living in the footsteps of Jesus in our relationships. One of the practices in the time of the New Testament was with rabbis that they had followers and those who were their students. And you could tell those who followed the rabbi the closest by how much dust they had on their clothes. They didn't have paved roads or concrete sidewalks. It was just dirt. It was dusty roads. And they were walking so close to the one they were following that the dust off their feet got on them. In fact, it was considered high praise when you had a lot of the dust from the rabbi on you because that meant you were following closely. This week, I was broken thinking of that for my own life for many of us to kind of look down at our soul and our heart to see how much of what Christ does and who he is is on and in me. You see, you could identify them and go, ah, he's following close to the rabbi. Look at how much dust he has on him. If that were still the picture today, let me ask you, how much dust 
do you have on you? I don't mean because you're dirty. I don't mean because it's dry and we need some rain. I mean in following Christ. How much of him is on you? When you look down and look at your life, when you look in and look at your heart, which shows more, you or him? For you see, it is time to revive our relationships, starting with our relationship with Christ. That means we need to be looking more and more like him. So how do we do that? Let's take a look. The scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that, I can't spit that word out, sorry. That, that is an idolater. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we do this? How do we revive our relationships? How do we bring revival to our community and beyond? It starts with us being imitators of Christ. Verse 1 of this chapter says, Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children. Now, I want you to understand, you don't need to be an imposter, but an imitator. There's a difference. An imposter is one who pretends that they are someone else. An imitator is one who lives and acts 
like someone else. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but if you're trying to pose as God, you have failed miserably. I don't even have to know you well to know that because you're not him. It's not going to work. People are going to see through that, but we can be imitators of his. We can look like him. We can live like him. We can talk like him. We can love like him. We can give like him. We can serve like him. We can follow close enough that he gets all over us. Being imitators. You see, if you imitate well, people will know who you are imitating without you identifying it. I, I love those who, who mimic, who can do imitations of others. It's always been something I've been attracted to. And one of the things I love is that when you close your eyes and you know who it is because they have got that voice down. When I was a youth pastor one time, we played the most popular game we ever played in the youth group. We played church charades. No adults were allowed in there except those of us that were sponsors. And kids went up and began to imitate all of you. I didn't do it here, so don't go asking any of them yet. But it was hilarious how well they had us down in speech pattern and in our mannerisms. And it was also amazing how the other kids were immediately going, oh, that's this, that's this, that's this. Unfortunately, they even did me. You see, the ones who people guessed quickly were when the one imitating them imitated them well. That's how we're to be. Imitating Christ so well that people go, I know who that is. Is that what people are saying about your life? Are they watching and listening to you and going, oh, that's Christ. I see that. That's our goal. That's the only way we're going to revive the relationships, our community, and bring revival to our community. In other words, living in a manner that shows Jesus to everyone watching and everyone listening. But how do you do that? Number one, walk in love. Walk in love. Verse two, after being imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us. You see, the love we're to walk in is the kind of love that Jesus lived where he gave himself up for others. That's how we're to live. Not elevating self, not in self-promotion, but in the promotion of Jesus Christ. He must become greater, I must become less. Walking in love will bring revival in our relationships, in our church, and in our community. Number two, we must walk carefully and wisely. Verse 15 and 16, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We need to be looking for opportunities to share Jesus. I 
one of my prayers constantly is, Lord, help me not to miss the opportunities you're giving me. And as I pray that, he gives me more opportunities because I'm watching for it. If I'm watching for it, I got a better shot of doing it. Let me challenge you this week to pray. Lord, show me opportunities among those I'm in relationship with. Among those I encounter this week. To show you to them. To walk in your love. To be your imitator. So that they would see you in me. And as we walk in that love to make sure it's not our love but his. That sacrificial, unconditional, all-consuming love. Now those verses between from verse like 4 through 14. Talk about so many things about what not to do. And we need to understand them, but we need to be doing what we should be doing. And if we are, we don't have to worry about the do-nots. For too long, the church preached the don'ts instead of the do's. And so people got turned off. The don'ts are important, but I have found if I'm doing the things I should be doing, I don't have time to do the things I shouldn't be doing. That deserved an amen. Yeah, too late. <laughs> we need to walk in love. We also, number three, need to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit in us, filling us, empowering us, guiding us. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with the spirits. Be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's enough of the other stuff going around and many of us have gotten too filled with all kinds of other things. Be filled with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. We need more wisdom and power than we have on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in us. Filling us, guiding us, empowering us, cleansing us. If we walk in our own spirit, it never works. Number four. To do this, to bring this revival, we need to pray with passion and praise. I have never heard a powerful, passionate prayer that did not include praise. Because simply, thank you, because simply to pray to the one who has provided everything for us should produce praise for who he is, for the fact that he loves us has provided for us and continues to guide us. Praying with passion and with praise. Let me ask you, when was the last time as you prayed for others, tears spilled out? I realize some of us, and I'm high on that list, have more wide open tear ducts than others. But none of us have dry ones. When was the last time as you prayed for the needs of others that you just wept? If we're praying passionately, it's going to happen. When was the last time you're prayer list got tear stained 
Say, I got it on my phone. Yeah. I've had to clean my screen a few times. We need to be in prayer. Praying with passion and with praise. Verses 17 to 20 clarify this. We need to understand the times. We need to know what's going on, but we cannot become overwhelmed by it. Pay attention to some of the news. Pay attention to some of the social media, but don't get overwhelmed by it. Simply understand the times to pray for revival. What would happen if instead of commenting on so many posts, we prayed over them? Ouch. What would happen if instead of criticizing, we had compassion? Understanding that for many who are spewing things out that are hurtful, they are hurting themselves. As is often said, and it is so true, hurting people hurt people. To pray for them instead of lashing out or cutting them off. We need to understand the times. That's what those middle verses of Ephesians 5 are about. And we need to be thankful, thankful that God saves us, thankful that we can talk to him, thankful that he listens and cares. Have you noticed not everybody cares? I don't know if you've noticed that, but I've found a few people. Not everybody listens. Don't poke your husband or wife right now. Or your kids. God hears us, cares about us, listens to us. And for that, if nothing else, he deserves our praise and our thanks that we can come to him anytime about anything. And we need to keep on praying. Don't give up in the difficult times. The very first week we talked about interceding for others in prayer. And we need to intercede for some around us who are hurting so much they can't even get the words out. But I have great news for you if you're in that category. Scripture says that God understands even our groanings. <laughs> I love the story of the one grandpa who hurt, who hurt his granddaughter walking around the yard saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He's going, honey, what are you doing? said, well, it says that God understands everything that we need, and I don't yet know how to spell, so I'm just throwing the letters out and letting him take care of it. We need that spirit that understands God knows and cares. And lastly, if we're going to bring revival in our relationships, in our church, in our community, and beyond, we need to do all of this Humbly and in love. Not promoting ourselves. We don't need to be jealous of any other ministry. If they're preaching the word and people are coming to faith in Christ, awesome! That's what this is about. I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's not going to be a special room in heaven entitled for the Nazarenes. Well, it, actually there is because all of heaven is because Jesus was a Nazarene, but that's another thing. We need to do all of this humbly. 
and in love. In other words, lift up Jesus and love others. If you need a theme, use that one. In all you do, lift up Jesus and love others. As you go throughout this week, whether it's at work or school, whether it's in the store, or whether it's even when you're gritting your teeth, scrolling on social media, lift up Jesus and love others. Because small acts of kindness done with great love will change the world. Lift him up and love others. Let me ask you, what is it time for you to do? What has God been prodding and prompting you in to do? And you know it is time. Now let me ask this. What are you going to do about it? And when? One of the greatest failings we have is agreeing we need to do it and then not doing it. Because everything is better started tomorrow, right? I'm going to start exercising tomorrow. We're eating better tomorrow. But what if we simply started to do what God is already prompting you to do today, now, in this place? Heads bowed, eyes closed as we finish. I'm just going to ask if God is really prompting and you know that he has something in mind for you to do, that it is time. And that in this moment, you're making a declaration saying, I will start now. I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are not worrying about anybody else, but just standing in a moment of commitment to whatever it is God has been telling you, it is time. Just stand where you are. Thank you. Oh, Lord, help us that are standing to follow through on what we already know we should do. Lord, start in me. You've been prodding me in a couple things in particular. Lord, I want to start now. I pray for these that are standing that whatever it is, and it may not even be real clear, but I have a feeling for most of them it's very clear that they know what their next right step should be. I thank you for their courage to admit it and to commit to it. Now, Lord, I pray as they follow through on it today and this week. Lord, bring them to my mind. I don't know what it is and don't need to know, but I'm praying for them and ask for their prayers for me. And Lord, for others who maybe it's just not clear yet, I pray that you would continue to speak to them 
until they are clear on what you would have them to do. And Lord, if there are those that haven't felt any pull at all, I pray that you would show them the need of their heart and that they would repent and come back to you. Guide us this week to be remembering it is time. Let it start in us, in our relationships, in this body of believers and beyond. And Lord, I give you all the praise and the glory for the victories we're about to see. In Jesus' name, I plead for these things. Amen.